so things had, had really been going so well. Our, our newborn was two days old, and uh, our other girls loved her. They, they were so excited. Uh, they, they couldn't wait to hold her. They couldn't wait to be with her. They couldn't wait to try to take care of her. And, and things were going so well. And we're like, oh, man, this is so great. This is so exciting. And not only are things going well, but actually somebody was, was planning to bring us a meal that evening. And, and so there we are. We're, our, our daughter's two years old. I mean, sorry, two days old. And, uh, and somebody's bringing us a meal, and we're hanging out at home, and things are going well. And then something happened. It happened. I don't even remember what it was, but this, this nice, peaceful, pleasant experience in about five minutes devolved into just absolute chaos. So hello, my name is Ben Marshall, and uh, I'm here to, to share with you God's Word today, and uh, I am the husband of Connie. Uh, I think we're going to throw a picture up on the screen, and, and you'll be able to see our family there. I'm the husband of Connie. I'm the dad of Aaliyah and Sophia, who you see in the picture there, um, but I'm also most recently the father of Eliana. Uh, so we have three daughters, Aaliyah, Sophia, and Eliana, and Ellie, we call her Ellie, um, she is about Oh, I don't know, what is it, 14, 16 days old right now. So this was a while back. Um, but being a dad is really like the, the hardest job that I've ever had. And uh, I've worked for Pastor Jeff and Pastor John, right? <laughs> being a dad is the hardest job that I've ever had, and yet I've also worked for them. But being a dad is also one of the, the most sanctifying things that I have ever experienced. And I work for Pastor Jeff and Pastor John. And it, being a dad is one of those things where, where some days you really enjoy it. And if I can be honest, also some days I don't enjoy it so much. And I work for Pastor Jeff. I'm just kidding. But being a parent is challenging. And, and that day we thought that things were going really well. And, and honestly, they, they had been going well for, for a moment. But, but as things started to devolve into chaos, it wasn't even something big. Right? Our girls started to, to bicker over something. I don't even remember what it was, and it was probably something that really didn't matter a few minutes later. And yet, as that's happening, they're, they're, they're in this little fight, and so they end up getting in, into a timeout because they're not listening to mom and dad. They're not listening to the wisdom that we're trying to speak into the situation. They're not trying to listen to the, the perspective that we're trying to help them see and understand of like, hey, it's really not that big a deal. Like, we have so many stuffed animals. Or like, whatever the thing was, like, it's not really that big a deal. Like, it's okay. Calm down. We've been through this how many times? You're six, and she's two and a half, like don't give in to, you know, it's like doesn't listen, doesn't care, like neither of them do, and then they just devolve into this chaos. They end up into, into timeouts, and then, and then remember, this is like in a span of about five minutes, okay? So they're in timeouts, but while they're going to timeouts, Ellie starts crying because she's hungry, and so now we're divided, and so we've got two kids in one place, one kid in the other place, but then also the laundry is going, and the laundry is open, and it's not full, and water's running into the basin, and so then I'm like, okay, so I'm taking one kid to timeout, putting laundry in, uh, like in the laundry, putting laundry in the laundry, whatever, however that works. Um, and, and Connie's feeding Ellie and, and then get the second girl to time out. And then I, while all this is happening, our dog starts barking because remember, we're getting a meal. Somebody's bringing food. That person is bringing the food and poor Chloe, like the door's locked. Molly's barking. I try to get Molly downstairs and get the door unlocked and try to look like, hey, things are going great. <laughs> right? You can like feel that. And it just felt like we needed a fresh start. Honestly, there are a lot of days where it just feels like every day we just need a fresh start. And that brings us to our sermon series, which is called Fresh Start. And, and today we're specifically going to talk about having a fresh start in parenting. 
And uh, it's something that, that we really need. Uh, but if you're not a parent, I, I want to level with you and say, hey, a lot of what we're going to talk about today is about parenting, okay? And so if you're not a parent, though, it, it's okay. I'm glad you're here with us. And there are going to be some principles here that are applicable not just in parenting. We're going to work out some of the application of these principles specifically about parenting, but it actually will extend beyond parenting. And you'll see that in a little bit as we get to some of these different keys to a fresh start. There are things that you can use, whether you you're uh, a college student, whether you're a teenager, whether you're a kid, whether you're, uh, your kids have, have left the house, or whether you've never been a parent, whether you're, you're single or married or trying to have kids, like wherever you land in this whole spectrum, these keys are going to be helpful for you just kind of navigating life and trying to figure out how to do it in a godly way. So as we jump into parenting, I'm not going to uh, share with you my parenting expertise, okay? I've only been a parent for about six years. And, uh, and I realize that there's a lot that I still have yet to learn, a lot that I still have yet to experience. I've not parented somebody uh, through the teen years yet. I've got three daughters, and you know, some of you are just very kind in sharing your opinion about how challenging that's going to be when they become teenagers, and I'm so looking forward to that. Um, but as we think about parenting, and we think about this fresh start in parenting, uh, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share from my failures, uh, because there are plenty of those to go around, so I can share with you things that I've learned, things that I've not done well, and, uh, and hopefully that'll kind of bring us to, to the same place to, to level with, like, hey, we can share and kind of commiserate in our failures together. Uh, but again, I'm thankful that you're here at Pathway, regardless of where you are in this parenting journey. Um, if you're here in this room, welcome, but also there are people gathering online that are tuning in, so hello to you online. Hello to our Moon Campus and to our classic venue who are watching as well, and uh, we're going to dive into this today. So as we consider a fresh start in parenting, the, the first thing I feel the, the need to share with you uh, is really that, that you are not alone in your struggle. You are not alone in your struggle. The, the reality of parenting is sometimes it can feel like, like it's, it's you and your spouse, or if you're doing it solo, it's you solo, and you're trying to like figure this out uh, kind of in, in, in a vacuum, like kind of by yourself. But the reality is you're never alone. That's the, the wonder about what it is to, to know God and to follow him is that he is always with you. We just sang that in, in that song, right? He, he's always there. He's, he's always around. He, he's always with you in the struggle. And, and we see also in scriptures that, that God knows what it is to be a father. One, one common use, uh, one common name of God in the Bible is father. He's called the heavenly father. He had a son. Anybody know who, who God's son was? Jesus. Yes, there you go. The answer is Jesus. We're in church. The answer was Jesus, right? Uh, his, his son, Jesus Christ. So he knew what it was to be a father. He knew what it was to, to pray for his kids. He knew what it was to parents. And, uh, and he also called the nation of Israel like his, his children. And there was this, this relationship between the nation of Israel and God that was like this parent and child relationship. And, and God loved the nation of Israel even in their rebellion in their hard-heartedness, in their hard-headedness, in he called them a stiff-necked people. God loved them in that. He, he was angry towards them at times. He was frustrated with them at times, and yet he continued to shower upon them this deep love for his children that, that was deeper than they could even fathom or understand in that context. So God knows what it's like to parent. He is with us in that. He, he's constantly trying to, to show us how to do it well. He, he reveals to us that, that we need to discipline our children. We see that in Scripture. He actually says 
Uh, in Proverbs 3.12, it says, The Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son whom he delights in. He teaches us that, that discipline is necessary for the training up of our children. It's not necessarily enjoyable in the moment, but as we discipline our children, it actually reveals our love for them. He teaches us that, that we need to continually lead our children, to, to lead them and guide them, to be involved in their lives in a present and ongoing way, to warmly receive them home when they come home from their rebellion and wandering. We see it all throughout Scripture. That's what God continually does. He continually invites them home, even as they have rebelled. So we're going to tackle some keys to a fresh start in parenting today. And key number one to a fresh start in parenting, if you have your journal or you have your pathway notes, you can write this down. Key number one to a fresh start in parenting is to recognize your humble position. To recognize your humble position. We must acknowledge that we will and continually do fall short. Any perfect parents in the house? Anybody want to raise their hand and confess you're a perfect parent? Because if so, then let's just, like, you come up here, I'll give you the mic, and you teach us your wisdom, right? All of us are just trying to figure this out. We're all kind of a mess in, in these things. Like, sure, there's, like, some handbooks, and there's, like, some good books that have been written, and some of you have, have good examples of your parents before you that, that showed you how to parent well. Some of you don't have good examples with your parents before you uh, of how to parent well, and so you're trying to figure it out on your own while undoing some of the baggage from your own background and upbringing and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, how do we figure this thing out? Well, we need to, in humility, remember our humble position. Take a step back and slow down and remember that it's not all up to you. As a parent, you bear a, a big responsibility. It's a heavy weight to be a parent, to be responsible, not just for the life of a kid, to, to actually like raise it, like to, to actually like keep them alive is a challenge in itself, but then to train them up to become somebody who loves and serves Jesus, like that's even harder. It's a big responsibility. It's a big challenge, but we don't do it on our own. And the challenge becomes when we, when we do try to do it on our own, right? We put too much responsibility on ourselves, too much weight on ourselves, and we start to get into some dangerous territory. Sometimes we can actually turn our kids into idols, we can have, have too much pride in our kid. We can, we can take pride in our kid and start to try to like vicariously live through them and, and their experiences and their successes. But what happens when we try to live through them and they fail? Well, now we've, we've caught up so much of our identity and our, our security and so much of ourself in the success of our kids that if they don't succeed, then we don't succeed. And we begin to, to feel the failure of our kids. And there's all these expectations, all this weight that we put on our kids that becomes unhealthy. And so we need to be careful. But we also need to be careful to, to not uh, feel, feel the, the other side of the, the too much pride, but also um, to, to feel too much blame when our kids don't succeed. To feel too much blame when our kid fails. Because you can't take too much credit on either end. Because it's not only up to you. So when your kid fails, instead of asking those, those sometimes self-destructive questions of like, man, what did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong? Like, this is all my fault. Like, I'm, you know, like we start to ask those questions and one of those things, that's also not a healthy place to go because the responsibility isn't yours alone. Each one of us has our own journey in, in growing up as a kid, right? You, you think of your own uh, upbringing, and you can, you can think, if you've, if you've got siblings, you can kind of see some different personalities and some different uh, ways that, that your siblings were or, or how your parents parented and things like that. And you can see, like, there's some, some kids are just naturally compliant, right? There are some kids who are just, like, pretty easygoing, pretty responsive to authority and, and things of that nature. Um, and, and I was not one of those kids, I was the other side of the spectrum where I was a little bit of a challenge. Like you, you tell me not to do something and I'm going to find a creative solution to getting around what you asked me to do in a way that kind of feels like it's not disobedience, but it still is disobedience. I was really good at that. 
And it was a challenge for my parents because my sister was the compliant one. My sister was the one who listened, like she was the perfect kid. You know, I'm, sis, if you're watching, like I know you're not perfect, but you were definitely better behaved than I was. So um, as we look back, we realize like, hey, on these parenting journeys, kids respond differently in different ways. And so my sister's journey was way different than my journey was. And we need to understand and realize that in our own kids' lives, that not everything's just gonna be cookie cutter and, and fit in the way that it should fit. We need to have this humble position and realize like, hey, it's not, it's not all up to us. So wherever you are, again, in this journey, we need to recognize our humble position. And as we recognize our humble position, we recognize that, that we are not the ones who are always in control. And so if we try to parent, or we try to live out of step with God's word, and not looking to, to God's word uh, as, as direct guidance for our lives, then we are going to fall short every time. So in humility, we need to look at the Word of God and realize that it has a lot to say about parenting, a lot to say about life, about living in the way that God has created and designed it to go. So we're going to turn to Psalm chapter 127. Psalm 127 is a well-known psalm. It's a psalm that talks a lot about parenting and, and kids. In Psalm 127, we have uh, this, this image of the, the psalmist talking about how children are a heritage, a gift from the Lord. And though our kids are gifts from the Lord, sometimes we can feel like that is a gift we kind of want to return. <laughs> can I be honest? I mean, sometimes you feel that. You're like, boy, I, I think I got the wrong gift. Uh, I'm just kidding. None of us have ever felt that way or ever said that or ever thought it. I realize but Scripture, the reason we have to keep coming back to Scripture is it, it resets our thought patterns. It reframes the way that we sometimes think that, that is not helpful, that is not healthy, that is destructive. And so as we come to the Scripture, we see, okay, how do I see and understand my kids are a gift and are a blessing? Sometimes that blessing is a challenging blessing, but it's a blessing nonetheless. And so we look at Psalm 127 in verse 1, and we see in the beginning here how, how we can view our kids as a blessing. And it, again, it, it's not about us or our ability. The, the control isn't ours to have, the, all of this. So we look at Psalm 127 in verse 1, and here's what it says. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Now I realize he's talking about a house and he's talking about a city. But as we recognize our humble position, it goes into talking about your kids are, are a heritage, a gift from the Lord. Um, and, and as he talks about that, we recognize that, hey, if the Lord is not building your home, if the Lord is not the foundation of your parenting, then you're going to not be parenting in the right direction. You're going to be not parenting in the way that you ought to be parenting, and you're going to have some struggles, and, and some, some things are going to happen in that, and, and you're not going to recognize the, the humble position that you need to take before the Lord and realize it's not all up to you. There's a book called Parenting First Aid, Hope for the Discouraged, and uh, it's, it's a great title, because <laughs> how often as parents do we get discouraged? And, and the author, his name is Marty Machowski, and, and he wrote this. He said, there are a few challenges that rob you of strength faster than a rebellious child you can't reach. Or a struggling child, you're losing faith to help. But it's equally true that nothing can restore joy and move you to worship more than remembering that it is not all up to you. It is not all up to you. We can take comfort in knowing we have a big responsibility. We can't negate that. We can't step away from that. There is a, a huge weight and responsibility, but also it's not all up to us. 
I want to share another quote with you, this time from a book called Dad Tired and Loving It. Uh, if you're looking for good books to read, I mean, if you're a dad, Dad Tired is, is a great book to read. Um, Parenting First Aid is another great one to read, and we'll talk about an, another one here in a little bit. But uh, this quote directly speaks into the plan of God and your role as the parent and the primary disciple maker of your kid. And here's what Jared Lopez writes, or Jared Lopes writes. He says, amid your busy life, your stress at work, and the chaos of trying to be a parent, a much bigger story is unfolding around you. God wants nothing more than to take what has been broken in you and make it new again. And here's the crazy part. He picked you to help do the same thing in the lives of your children. God doesn't want you to simply raise moral children. He wants their hearts to be radically in love with his. In his sovereignty and in the middle of your mess, he has chosen you to be part of that mission. What a beautiful understanding of parenting that God has chosen you to be a part of that special mission. And not just as parents. There's actually research that's been done that's been, been looking at, okay, how does somebody stick with their faith beyond high school? And one of is the Foley Youth Institute is, is the people who did this research. And what they found about this research is that it's not just the parents, but it's actually having at least five adults in the life of a kid who are pointing them to Jesus. Like five caring adults pointing these people to Jesus uh, that, that actually helps um, solidify their faith and help them have this sticky faith through high school into college and beyond. And so as you think about this, it's not just the parent who is a part of this special mission. It's also if there's a, a believing grandparents, if there's a mentor or a pastor or a, a leader or a, a small group leader or whatever it might be, we need the, the church body to come around our kids and, and to really help and guide and, and parent together. Like it's not just the sole responsibility of the parent, but also godly community around that parent to help parents and, and disciple these kids. Another well-known passage from the Psalms gives us a little bit more clarity on our humble position and, and realizing that the power and the sovereignty of God as he works and guides in, in our parenting. So Psalm 139, uh, it's one that, that many of us know well, but Psalm 139, beginning in verse 13, says this. David says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. What a beautiful truth this is as well, that, that God knows you, that God sees you, that, that God is with you, that God is thinking of you, that God is gracious towards you. It, it might be different than the way that you think or expect it to be, but that doesn't make it any less true. These are God's thoughts and plans towards you. Before you ever took your first breath, he knew you. He knew every step that you were going to take, every word you were going to speak. And he's been at work in your life from that moment to now. We see and we understand that we don't do this alone. And so we recognize our humble position. The book we referenced earlier from Marty Machowski, uh, he, he wrote this. He said, um, as he was thinking about uh, the Holy Spirit and, and kind of guiding him in, in his parenting, he said that, that he felt the Holy Spirit convicted him of his pride and his independence. And he felt the Holy Spirit saying to him, I don't want you to parent standing up. I want you to parent kneeling down. 
And there's a recognition there that, that again, it's not about your ability, your strength, but in your humble position, you realize you cannot do this apart from the Lord. And so you parent from your knees, bringing your kids before the Lord. So we want to parent from our knees on behalf of our children. So that brings us to, to key number two. Again, uh, if you have your notes out, key number two to a fresh start in parenting is to remember it's a process. Remember it's a process. Sometimes we don't need to be taught more than we need to be reminded of something. So that's really what we're going to do today is, is not just teach you some things, but also remind you of the, the things that are true. And so re we remember that, that it, is, it is a process. Right? Life is a process. We're somewhere along the, the pathway, th this journey, and so it is a process. We need to remember that parenting is a process. So we're going to turn to talk about sowing and reaping to talk about the process of parenting and discipling our kids. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10, the Apostle Paul wrote this. He said, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Parenting is a continual process, and, and it builds on itself. It's a process of planting seeds every day. And sometimes planting seeds can be quite tiring. But what did the Apostle Paul say here? Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in the good hard work of planting seeds in the life of your kid. We have to be seed planters. Again, not just parents, but those who are coming alongside in mentoring and, and raising and helping guide and disciple our kids. We must be seed planters. But we also need to not just be seed planters, but intentional seed planters. We need to think about what kind of seeds are we planting. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 9, uh, the Apostle Paul writes here again, kind of about this planting and sowing and reaping again, but, but he talks about how uh, him and this guy named Apollos have done some things for the Lord, right? He says, like Paul says, hey, I planted some seed and Apollos has watered, but there's some issue here because what you guys are doing as the church is you're, you're following Paul or you're following Apollos. And let us remind you, like we did some things, but the focus needs to be on the Lord. And so he kind of redirects them and says, hey, Paul— uh, planted some seeds, Apollos watered some seeds, but it's God who gave the increase. It's not Paul that made this thing grow. It's not Apollos who made things grow. It was the Lord who made things grow in this process. And so we understand that, that God alone can transform hearts, right? What I wouldn't give to, to be able to transform the heart of my daughters, to be able to, to make them believe in Jesus. Like, I, I wish that I could do that. I can't. Neither can you. You cannot make your child follow Jesus. You cannot make your child grow in, in their character. You cannot force these things into them. But what you can do and what your responsibility is, is to plant seeds, to plant good seeds in the lives of your kid, to be continually planting these seeds. So what kind of seeds do your kids need you to plant? Well, here's some different examples. Your kids need you to plant seeds of faith in Jesus. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? You really can't plant a seed if you don't have that seed growing in your own life, producing fruit. You need to plant a seed of faith in Jesus Christ. You need to plant seeds of kindness, of generosity. Plant seeds of living with integrity. Plant seeds of being faithful in relationships. 
plant seeds of love, seeds of patience, seeds of pursuing wisdom, seeds of giving and receiving forgiveness, seeds of respect towards those who are in authority, seeds of prioritizing the word of God and prayer in your personal life. These seeds and many other seeds are seeds that we need to be continually planting in the lives of our kids. They're seeds that that we are responsible to plant, but again, we cannot determine what's going to grow out of them. But we need to self-reflect and think, okay, what kind of seeds am I planting? And not just the seeds that I hope that I'm planting, but actually looking at the behaviors of my life. And and when I respond in this way, when I do this thing, when I say this thing, am I actually planting a seed of character, a seed of integrity? I'm trying to teach my daughter that I'm trying to plant this seed of like, if I say something, I'm going to do it. And so a few different times I've been telling her like, hey, I'm going to count to whatever number it is. And if you have not done what I've asked you to do by the time I get to that number, then you're going to have a consequence. Okay. And so I start counting and she has done the thing that I have asked her to do by the time I get to 10. One time it was 30. It was, you know, whatever it is, uh, whatever the, the number is. And so she says like, dad, I did it. Like, why are you still counting? And I said, well, I told you I was going to count to 10. And so I was like, hey, I'm just going to, it's a very small, very simple thing, but I was like, I'm going to fully count to 10 because I told you I was going to count to 10 because I'm going to be a man of my word. It's a very small, silly thing. Like, it's really not that big a deal, but I'm trying to plant this seed in her like, oh, Dada said he's going to count to 10, so he's going to count to 10. Even if I've already done it, he's still going to count to 10, right? It's a small thing, but small seeds can plant big trees. And so we start small. What kind of seeds are you planting? Now, as we parent, we also need to remember that just because you plant a good seed doesn't mean the good seed take root, takes root and grows up as good fruit. Because sometimes the enemy comes in and distracts or distorts us away from whatever that fruit might be that we're trying to plant. Maybe a weed grows up in its place, or the weed comes up first and kind of chokes out the seed that we were trying to plant. Circumstances in life happen, or, or things change, or something comes in, and, and what we had tried to, to plant there, it grows up, and it doesn't become the thing that we hoped that it would become. Again, if you're planting good seeds, you're responsible for the seed that you plant, but not the fruit that it bears. Because God is the one who causes the thing to grow. You're responsible to plant the seed. And trust God to do the rest. Key number three to a fresh start in parenting is to retain the right priorities. Retain the right priorities. Sometimes in life, our priorities can get a little bit off. But we need to keep things in perspective so we can actually retain the things that are actual priorities. Now, we, we live in a, in a culture that, that tells us these things that should be priorities in our lives. They tell us these things that should be priorities as we parent our kids. They should be priorities in, in the lives of our kids. They should be priorities in our lives. We live in a world that tells us what our priorities should be. And yet sometimes the priorities they say that we should have are not the priorities that actually the Bible communicates to us that should be the priority. So your primary role as a parent is not these things, okay? Your primary role is not to make sure that your kid gets into the right college. It's not to make sure that they have a high-paying job. It's not to make sure that they can take care of you when you're old and frail, Your role as a parent is not to make sure that that your kid grows up healthy, wealthy, and successful, or to make sure that they are comfortable and safe and secure. Your primary role as a parent is not to make sure that they have the the best coach that money can buy, or they get a, a leg up on the competition and kind of get a step forward. Those are not your primary roles. Those aren't bad things, or at least most of them aren't. But your primary role as a parent is to what? 
is to be the primary disciple maker of your kid. Your primary role as a parent is to help your kid fall in love with Jesus. Let everything else take care of itself. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying don't plan for the future, don't like, you know, whatever, like, you know, we've got like 529 plans for our girls to be able to go to college and things like that, but what if they choose to not go to college? Am I going to be okay with that? Yeah, probably, if that's where the Lord's leading then. Right, what about you? If, you're, if your kid all of a sudden decided like, hey, I'm not going to go to college, and instead I'm going to go live in the slums in a foreign nation and minister to people there because they don't have anyone that cares about them, and the Lord has laid it on my heart to go and do this. Would you view yourself as a failure as a parent because your kid didn't go to college and get a degree? That they're living in an unsafe place, potentially with the capacity to get like a life-altering or life-ending disease in the place that they're living and ministering? What would your response be? Would you willingly allow them to go? Like, I, I can think of my own response if my daughter came to me, like I have three daughters, so if, like, if one of them came to me and was like, hey, Dad, I'm going to go here, my, my mind immediately would go to, well, that's not safe. How are you going to be safe? Like, I guess I'll go with you, right? Um, and, and try to be like to protect her and, and things like that. But, but what if my daughter came to me and said like, like God, I, or Dad, I, I feel like God is leading me in this direction to go and serve in this way. Who am I to stand in the way of that? And so sometimes we get our priorities off as parents because we, we want these things and we try to make sure that these things happen and, and we miss what is actually important, what is actually vital in the life of our kids, which is, is not just helping them be like, like good people or nice people, but to actually help them fall in love with Jesus. Now, you can't help them fall in love with Jesus if you haven't fallen in love with Jesus. You, you can't give to somebody something that you don't own. And so we have to retain the right priorities. We can say with our words what our priorities are, but as we look at our calendar and we look at our actions, they tend to reveal what we actually prioritize. And so if you're a parent and you have a kid who, who can, can do this, I want to give you a challenge, okay? It's one that you may not enjoy. It's one your kid will probably enjoy. Um, but sit your kid down or give them, give them a little bit of time alone and say, hey, looking at the way that we live our life, the way we use our time, the, the things that we do, the, the words you hear me say, the, you know, like all that kind of stuff, like what would you list as the actual lived out priorities of our family? What do you think our family would, like as you look at our family, what do you think is most important to us? Be a very interesting exercise. If you do that and you want to share your results with me, like, I would love to know what your kids come up with because um, I think it would be a very interesting and exciting thing, uh, potentially a, a quite revealing thing of maybe your kids are going to view things differently than you do, and, and perhaps it'll lead you to some changes that might need to be made. And that can be good and healthy and necessary as we want to retain the right priorities. Sometimes we're, we're too busy to do that, right? Sometimes our, our schedule, it, it feels so full that, that we feel like we don't have enough time to disciple our kids well. And so what we want to do is we're going to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Um, if you've ever, ever read Deuteronomy chapter 6 before, uh, we're going to read it in the Amplified version because uh, we did this last time I preached as well. Like the Amplified version kind of gives it a little bit more context to the, the words that, that are here. And we look at the, the Hebrew and it gives a little bit more of a, a, a sense of, of not just like one English word that fits this definition, but actually expands it a little bit and, and kind of get more of the general sense of what they're trying to communicate in the scriptures in the original language. So Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 through 9 says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one, the only God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and with all your soul and with all your strength, your entire being. 
These words which I am commanding you today shall be written on your heart and mind. You shall teach them diligently to your children, impressing God's precepts on their minds and penetrating their hearts with his truths. And you shall speak of them when you sit in your house and when you walk on the road and when you lie down and when you get up. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hands or on your forearm. And they shall be used as bands or frontals or frontlets on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What are they communicating here to the Israelites? They're saying, hey, as you go about your life, train up your children. As you drive around, as you walk around, as you live, as you're in your home, as you're on the way, as you're going to this place, as you're going to that place, as you're, you're like, it's late at night and, and bedtime hasn't gone the way that you had thought that it would and you're a little bit frustrated, like in those moments, in, in every moment, you should be training and discipling your kids and, and pointing them to Jesus. You disciple along the way. Discipling is an ongoing process, and, and it really requires the, the prioritization in our own minds and our own hearts to be able to see God at work, to be able to point things out, to be able to speak truth into the lives of our kids. We have to be aware to, of it. We have to be attuned to it in order to be able to see and understand uh, the, the discipleship opportunity that is right in front of us. So we have to prioritize it so that then it becomes a priority of our family. It, it starts with you. It starts with your heart before you can ever pass it on to your kids. Uh, Jared Lopes in, in Dad Tired, he, he wrote this, thinking about the, the way that we disciple along the way. He said, the question isn't whether we are leading our children, rather it's what we are leading them toward. If we're not intentional about leading our families toward Jesus, we will unintentionally drift in the wrong direction. We lead our kids toward the things that matter most to us. So again, what would your kids say matters most to your family? What would your kids say matters most uh, is a priority in your life and your family? And even if you're not a parent, the same applies to you. What, are your, what does your calendar and your schedule reveal about your priorities? So key number three is to retain the right priorities. Key number four, the last one here, to a fresh start in parenting, is to regain a gracious posture. To regain a gracious posture. Now, in order to regain something, we assume that we have lost it. <laughs> you see, we all start with a gracious posture toward our kid. Like, again, Ellie is 16 days old. It's pretty easy to have a gracious posture toward my 16-day-old because she doesn't really do much. Even her cry is, like, kind of cute. Like, it's, it's like she, she's crying, but it's like it's not that intense. It's not super loud. She's not colicky. Like, she's, she's a pretty good baby. And so it's, it's easy to have a gracious posture to, to her. It's harder to have a gracious posture as your kids get older because they can start to talk back. They can start to say that, that two-word, or the two-letter word that, that starts with N and ends in O. And you, you ever been there when, when, like, you ask your kid to do something, and they immediately just look at you and say, no. And you're like, take the belt off, all right, here we go. <laughs> like, I'm just kidding, we don't do that. But you just, like, feel this righteous anger rise up inside of you. Or at least you want to say that it's righteous anger. But for me, I know it's not. And, and so I know like in that moment, whoo, I need to regain my gracious posture. I need Connie to remind me, hey, gentle, gentle. And I'm like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be gentle. I want to be frustrated. <laughs> because it's cathartic sometimes to, to raise my voice a little bit, right? Not that any would ever do that. Not that we've ever done that or ever experienced that. But I'm just saying my own failures, right? We need to regain a gracious posture. My personality is not naturally gentle. And then the Lord gave me three girls. 
Thank you for your pity laughs. I appreciate it. Thank you. But it's true, right? And as I had my first girl, as I had Aaliyah, I was like, my heart softened a little bit. And then as I had my, had my second girl, my heart softened a little bit. Third girl, heart softened a little bit, but it's still a little hard. Pray for me. And I'll pray for you. Like, we need to regain this gracious posture because sometimes we can get so frustrated with our kids that we do not disciple them well. We disciple them in in the exact way that we don't want to because we're teaching them how to be angry. We're not teaching them how to resolve conflicts, how to give forgiveness, how, how to step into things with graciousness. So we need to regain a gracious posture. Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4, has something for kids as well as dads. So here we go. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. That is, accept their guidance and discipline as his representatives. For this is right. For obedience teaches wisdom and self-discipline. Honor or esteem, value as precious your father and your mother, and be respectful to them. This is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and that you may have a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to the point of resentment with demands that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating or abusive, nor by showing favoritism or indifference to any of them. But bring them up tenderly with loving kindness in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We could have just like read that at the beginning and just like let it sit for a little bit and like that been the sermon. There's so much there about having a a gracious posture, bringing them up tenderly with loving kindness in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We don't often equate discipline with tenderness, and yet here in the scriptures it does because it's the posture of the heart in discipline. It's done in tenderness and loving kindness. So relationships can be complicated with our parents, right? You all have parents because you're here. And as you have a parent, you probably have a complicated relationship with your parents. It could be a good complicated. It could be a bad complicated. It could just be like an awkward complicated of like you're not really sure like how to do this dance of like, well, I'm an adult, but you're still my dad or my mom or like my stepdad or whatever, like whatever the relationship is. You're like, you're still like the one who raised me. So you remember like changing my diapers yet like I'm not in diapers anymore. So like don't treat me like I am. And it's like this, this weird dance that we do with each other as like parents and kids and, and wherever you are in that, like you all have parents and, and whatever your relationship with your parents are, uh, it, it, can, it can color and change the way that you parents. And so we need to be careful that the way that we parent isn't dependent upon our parents. We should parent differently than our parents did. We should. I'm not saying that it's a good thing or a bad thing. Like maybe you had great parents. I had great parents, but I'm a parent differently than they did because my girls are growing up in a different world than I did. And so as we look back and we we see, maybe, maybe some of you need to actually Look at this passage and see that that it says, like, children, honor your parents and and respect them and and things like that. And you need to go back and you need to actually, like, apologize to your parents for the way that you treated them. Maybe you were one of those challenges, one of those kids who just really gave your parents a run for their money. And now things are, like, okay, but you've never, like, you've never, like, it's kind of water under the bridge, but you never really, like, covered it. You've never really gone back and said, like, I'm sorry, like, I was just mean to you. 
during this time in life. And, and I, I, I need your forgiveness. Like maybe you need to repair that relationship or maybe you're a parent who, who has, has acted in a way towards your kids that hasn't been tender or gentle and, and you need to go confess that to your kids and you need to ask their forgiveness. You see, parenting is not perfection. Like we're, we're never going to get this right and we need to, as we teach our kids and we train them in the way that they should go, we teach them how to ask for and receive forgiveness because we need it. I have had to ask my daughters for, my, or for their forgiveness because there are times where I have parented in a way that was not good. It was not kind. It was not gentle. And I've had to ask their forgiveness. And you've probably been there too. So do you ask for it? Do you teach your kids how to, how to ask for those things? So we want to be filled to overflowing with grace because the way, like, as we, as we have this gracious posture and we regain this gracious posture, what it does as it gives us this fresh start is, is we actually give the benefit of the doubt to our kids, to our parents. It kind of goes both directions. We give the benefit of the doubt. We, we believe the best. We forgive quickly and completely. And we remember that, that we're all making mistakes and trying to figure this out along the way. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32 says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as in Christ God forgave you. Regaining a, a gracious posture impacts your parenting, it impacts your relationships, your friendships, it impacts your life because now you're, you're living with a different posture. You're living with grace toward other people in a way that, that seeks understanding instead of conflict, that, that seeks to, to actually hear somebody else, not just get your point across. So you want to regain this gracious posture. So this parenting stuff is hard, right? No one, no one said it was going to be easy. It's sanctifying work. It's work that we need help from the Lord in because we often don't get it right. But what we need to do is not add into parenting us being hard-headed or hard-hearted. We have to be continual learners, continually understanding where our kids are, becoming students of them, being willing to learn and realize like, hey, what you have known about this may not be uh, continually true. Maybe you need to continue to learn something new and to understand something in a different way. So, just a, a couple of different things to leave you with. What, what can we do uh, a, as we leave here? Well, I just want to highlight a few different things for you. Um, first of all, at, at Pathway, we offer some different things. If you have kids, we have our, our children's ministry. We have our student ministry. And, and so if you have anybody that, that's like from newborn all the way up through 12th grade, like we have a, a ministry here to, that you can point them to even, uh, you know, Thursdays and Sundays and, and things like that. Um, so we have these different ministries. But additionally, uh, Jenna Hannum, who's our children's ministry director, and myself, we, we started this thing, kind of a, a collaboration between Pathway Kids and Pathway Students called Family Discipleship. And in Family Discipleship, what we seek to do is to resource you because you are the primary discipler of your kid. The church is not. As much as we have programs and we have Awana and we have youth group and we have different things like small groups and different things like that, as much as we have those things, we are not the primary discipler of your kid. You are. And so we want to resource you in that way through this program called Family Discipleship. We have different classes and different things like that. Um, but also what we have under the banner of family discipleship is every Friday of the school year, we release an episode of something called Fridays Are For Families. 
Fridays are for families. And it's a, a short little like two or three or four minute uh, video clip or audio clip if you're listening to the podcast of either Jenna or I sharing with you some resources that we've read about, some different parenting topics and things like that. We'd invite you to subscribe to that, to, to watch it, to check it out. Um, and then something else that we're going to start in January, so January 7th, 2023, is our first ever family, family discipleship conference. And we're going to bring in some speakers and we're going to talk about technology, social media, and mental health. Uh, so mark your calendars for January 7th, 2023. 23. It's a Saturday, um, and so we would love to invite you to any or all of those different things, and uh, we also want to keep, keep the conversation going. Like, if you have questions about what does it look like to disciple my kids, you know, my, my kids are, are not in my house, or maybe you're a solo parent, or whatever it might be, or your kids are older, or however it might look, we want to open the conversation and just say, hey, like, ask your questions. Not that we have all the answers, but we want to invite you into this journey together because we're, we're better when we do these things together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that uh, you give us so much to think about, so much to talk about, so much to do as we seek to, to faithfully follow and serve you, Lord. We pray that you would guide us into these keys to a fresh start, that we would actually be intentional about the way that we live our lives, that we would be intentional about our faith, we'd be intentional about what you call us to, and we would actually live this out. It's not something that, that we would just leave here, but it's something we would take with us and live differently and, and treat our parents differently and parent differently and as kids just be different in the way, the way that we interact. May we be gracious and kind and gentle toward one, one another. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.